0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. This morning scripture reading comes from Second Timothy chapter one verse seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Praise God. All right. Thank you, Brother Brandon. Um, very appropriate and how this message came up, obviously, connected to my last experience, you know. And if here if I here if I am someone who's been in ministry for more years than I can count been studying the Bible for so many years, you know, preaching the word of God, talking about fear, and then when a circumstance like I just relayed about jury duty comes up, how the devil can even hit someone like me and hit me with a with a a, a time of oh gosh of tenseness or, or everything. And so based on that scripture reading and looking at today's message, today's sermon is about is fear actually your faith? Is fear actually your faith? Okay, and there are so many times that we've studied about faith without works being dead. Okay, and we know that works is not faith, but faith without without you actually acting on what you believe in uh, is dead faith, because if you have faith in something, you have to act on it. Okay, and so but without uh, without prayer, faith is weak. And if your faith is weak, it leads to doubt, which then opens the door to fear. So if you let doubt sneak into your life, it opens the door to fear. Fear, anxiety, and stress then starts to govern your life so much that you start believing that those bad things will happen. So if fear becomes a part of your life and stress and anxiety becomes a part of your life, that's the way you live your life and you expect yourself to always be in a fearful or in an anxious state. So that when you are not feeling anxious and when you're not feeling stressful, you actually start start looking around and saying, wait, I must have forgotten something. There must be something out there I should be worried about because I shouldn't be feeling this good. I shouldn't be feeling this anxious free. Okay? So fear and stress actually becomes a part of your life. Fear then winds up governing your life to the point that even when things are going well, that you think something is going to go wrong. You start anticipating that something is going to happen. Therefore, your faith is no longer no longer in the power of God in your life, okay? Which is where your faith should be in the power of God in your life. But your faith is the belief that things will always go wrong. You see? And see, you understand what I'm saying there? Okay? Faith is is that you have a strong belief that the power of God is going to take care of your life and carry you through. But if you are always constantly thinking that things are going to go wrong and you've let this fear into your life, then you have more faith that things are going to go wrong than the faith in the power of God. You see? So if you aren't careful, the fear, the anxiety becomes your faith. Because that is the one thing that you feel is certain. Okay? You follow that? All right? Faith is you knowing that certain things pertaining to God are certain. Okay? My going to jury duty, I know, I knew beyond a doubt that somehow God was going to work it out. I didn't know what he was going to do, but I knew he was going to work it out. That was my faith. If I went into that thing felt, oh gosh, something is going to go wrong here, I'm not going to get excused, I won't be able to get it deferred, I want this, I want that, I want this, then that is fear in my life, and then I'm no longer relying on the power of God to get to get me out of it, okay? So when I'm care, careful, fear and anxiety and, ex- and stress can become our faith, because that's the thing that we start saying, this is surely going to happen, this is surely going to happen. So then, then our faith becomes broken, so in other words, fear becomes the faith, because it's all that you can believe. Believe in so, and how did, the question is then: How do we overcome this? Well, the first thing we have to remember is that we have to change our way of thinking. 99.9% of our issues with with our faith has a lot to do with how we think. Okay, if you believe that things are going to go wrong, then yeah, you can actually, things do actually wind up going wrong. You know, even people in the world have talked about um, self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, in business circles, they talk about that. If you think that things are going wrong, whatever you you, you speak about, whatever you talk about, that's indeed what winds up going wrong. So we have to change our minds, and we have to realize that our minds indeed need need to be renewed. A renewed mind is one that is so saturated with the Word of God. That it thinks scripture when in times of crisis or in trouble. A sponge saturated with water oozes water when pressure is applied. Okay, if you picture a sponge when it's really saturated with water and you squeeze it, it oozes the water when pressure is applied. We need to get our minds to the point that when things in our lives, when pressure is applied in our lives, the word of God oozes forth. When pressure was applied to me in terms of being told that my jury duty, excuse me, was being denied, and that was pressure, instead of me collapsing and folding, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, oozed forth and came to the surface first, you see? So that's where we need to get our thinking, you see? And that is something that we are in control of. God all gave us the same measure of faith. You, have, you don't have any measure of it. God didn't give me any more of a measure of faith than he gave you just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean that I was given more faith it was not at all god gives us the same measure okay the difference might be or could be is how i've worked over the years to develop my faith you see so that when i'm squeezed like a sponge instead of fear oozing out of me the word of god oozes out of me and kicks into and kicks into gear you see so it's a matter of changing your mind you see and 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 god gave us all the free choice See, God just by, in his wisdom and his love for us, just didn't hit hit us with some sort of a spell and just say, you shall have strong faith, you shall always obey me. He gave us all free choice as he did with the angels, even those that rebelled. He gave us all free choice. And that's because God wants us to love him and to follow him because we choose to love him and follow him and to trust him and have faith in him. All right? Any of us that have children or loved ones, nieces, nephews, whatever they may be, if you don't have children, you know, you don't want that person in your family loving you because you stand over them with a big stick. You want them to love you because they choose to love you. Okay? So God lays this thing out before us all, and he says... Here's this thing called faith. I'm going to give you a measure, you get a measure, you get a measure, you get a measure, you get a measure, and it's all in your spirit. And then how you live your life, you have to choose and renew your mind. When a crisis comes up, which way do I go? Do I fold? Do I get weak-kneed? Do I forget what God told me? Do I forget the fact that God said he's there with me always? Did I forget what he told, what he told Joshua? Be strong and of good courage. As I was with Moses, as so I will be with you. Be strong and of good courage, for I, the Lord thy God, am with you okay? As I was walking down the halls of the courtroom, these are the scriptures that kept coming along, kept coming along, kept coming along, and one point I just looked to the side and said, okay, Lord, me and you, me and you, alright? And if anyone was looking at me, they probably would have thought I was nuts. Say said, he shouldn't be on jury, dude, he talks to himself. <laughs> he talks to himself, you know, but I'm walking, and I'm serious, I mean, I'm serious, I've got no shame about that. Said, Lord, okay, help me here, Lord, help me, help me, okay? And that gives you the strength, it gives you the courage to go forth, because you know that God is with you, you, you know, and, I, and i 'm so real and so serious about this that if you can get your mind to think like that and renew it, renew it, renew it, renew it day by day, hour by hour, so that you realign yourself with what the Word of God is saying so again let 's not take my word for it let 's go to second Corinthians, um, as is everything we do in Genesis one here, we have to make sure that it 's based on the Word of God and and not my ramblings or anyone else's ramblings, but based on the word of God. Okay. And, oh, pastor said that because he had gas last night or beans or something. And so he had a bad day. so this is what he's telling us now. But, um, you, you, you know, this is not based on anything like that, but this is based on the word of God. I'm just being brutally frank and honest with you. Amen. Praise God. Second uh, Corinthians 4. Um You know, and and, and I I say that in, in jest, but you do have to realize that we are all human beings and we all bring with us a lot of humanity, okay? And let no one behind any pulpit tell you that he or she is so holier than thou that they don't experience the very real things in life, okay, because it's not so. All right. Because then that means then that they have some edge up on you that makes them able to succeed in the word of God that you can't. Okay, so where I'm coming from here is very, very real, because I want you to see that I am no different from you in terms of being attacked by the by the enemy. Um, I, I probably more so for me because the enemy would love to shut me down and stop me from preaching. You know, So the attacks that I get, believe me, they're just as real as those attacks that come to you. And all I can always do is go back to the Word of God. That's why it's so important to me that you all always understand that what we're talking about is based on the Word of God, not on some opinion uh, that I might have. So chapter 4, verse number 7. Okay, now we're talking about everything that is here because of the power of God. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Okay? I could not get myself out of that mess with jury duty. This had to be the power of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Please underline, not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Underline troubled. Underline yet not distressed. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair, underline those. Verse number nine, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, underline not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So while we may be troubled, we don't get distressed. While we may be perplexed, we don't get to the point of being in despair. Okay. Jesus said in Matthew, he said that you will have trials and tribulations. He didn't say if he said you will. All right. So while you may have troubles, while you may have challenges, you don't let it get to the point that you are distressed and totally perplexed. I mean, suppose I had just fallen apart. You know, supposing I I had panicked and for some reason just canceled all of my plans and went running over there and not trusting in God, you see? So while that was a challenge, I did not get to the point of being in despair. I did not get to the point of being totally um, perplexed and then persecuted but not yet forsaken and not destroyed. You yes, have to so always know that God is with you no matter what the situation is. That's the first step. You've got to remember that God is with you. I don't care what it is. When that first issue comes into your life, be it by phone, by letter, by someone talking to you, some bad news, some issue that pops up, the first thing you have to remember, that God is with me. Okay? That's the first thing. Once you remember that, that God is with you, and I mean you have to get to the point that you actually can, can envision him being by your side. Just know that he's there because he is. You see, we don't have to reach out and touch him and, and hear him and feel him and things. Just know that he's there. Why? Because God said he's there. And if you can believe everything else that God said, then why can't I believe also that God is next to me? Amen? So that's the first thing. You realize that God is with you. As you're walking through that door, going into that room, going into those judges' chambers, wherever it is that you're going, you've got to realize and really, 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 really believe in your spirit that God is there with you. And if God is there with you, God sees what's happening. Okay. Now you're living your life in a truthful manner. You're living. You're, you're living your life as best as you can. You know that what, it, what the situation you're about to be confronted with and what you are about to offer, as a result, you know it's the truth. I knew that I was telling the truth. I wasn't going in there with a lie. I would have been very nervous if I was going in there with a lie, but I know it was the truth, you see, and I know God is with me. So if I'm going there to present the truth and God is truth and God said that he is with me, then I don't worry because I know God is going to make it happen. He's going to work it out. No matter which way it goes, it will be, it'll be to my benefit, all right? So you have to remember, but not forsaken. Verse number 11 carries on Says, for we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith. Please, in the line, we have the same spirit of faith, according as it is written I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that, that he, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Amen. Amen, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving giving of many, redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, we do not give up. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, meaning the body, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, the the outward man is our physical bodies. The inward man is our spirit. Okay? Uh, Because we faint not. uh, But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, please in the line, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen. Please underline. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay? So that means what we focus on is the things that are unseen, the Spirit of God, God's kingdom. The things that we see and touch and feel, this podium, this pulpit here, is, 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 is temporary. I mean, this is not I- eternal. You know, you know, if enough time goes by, this, this uh, podium, this wood would eventually decay and return to the dust and so on. But the things that we focus on are eternal. That's life in Jesus Christ. That that's eternity in heaven. That that's knowing God. These are the things that we focus on, okay? So whether or not, you know, you know the, the issue of, 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 of getting um, deferred um, for jury duty is a very temporal kind of thing, and God can certainly handle that, so I'm not going to get so terribly worried about that because I'm going to focus on the eternal thing, which is God, which is permanent. Okay, the things that are not seen are more important than the things that are seen. Okay, so now, that's the other thing that you have to learn to get down in your spirit, because then you will start and begin to realize then, if the faith and this thing that I'm really trusting in is unseen, that's the thing of the eternal then that is more powerful and more important than this thing that is before me in this temporal uh, dimension that's called physical life right now. Okay, you, you, if you follow what, what I'm saying there? Okay, these physical bodies that we're in, this tent, this tabernacle, you, you, you know, this is all temporary. You know, th- this is temporary. The thing that is, is us, is surely us, is your spirit. And your spirit is eternal. And you cannot destroy a spirit. You know, those of us who had physics, you know, and things, you know, that you can't destroy energy, right? Energy only changes form, all right? So, but I mean, but you cannot destroy a spirit. You cannot destroy a spirit. Your spirit will be eternal. It it, it, It will spend eternity in one of two places, either in heaven or in hell, okay? But the spirit that is you, the real you, what you see standing before you, talking to you, is the outward, the physical representation of Michael Cobb. Okay? The real Michael Cobb is my spirit. The real you is you. That real you that is you will go on to spend eternity someplace. Amen? So knowing all of that, then little trivial things, you know, like jury duty or someone giving you a hard time or some guy or gal that's coming against you or not being able to find a job or find a house or knowing where... That is also temporal because it's merely dealing with your physical existence. Okay? More importantly, in renewing your mind and knowing that the physical uh, the things of the spirit is more important, that's where God is, okay? So how do you think God views this? Does God stand back and say, well, I'm going to make sure his spirit is okay. I'm going to make sure her spirit is okay. I'm not worried about the physical body. If he doesn't have a house, that's okay. Let him sleep under the bridge. If he doesn't have clothes on his back, that's okay. Let him freeze. No, that's not God. Why? Because God is, God's concerned about your spirit, but God also knows that, guess what, you're in a physical body, because that's the way God designed it. So if God knows that, then he's certainly going to say, well, while he or she is here in this physical plane, then I need to make sure that he or she is being properly cared for while they're here. Okay, because there's a job for that person to do. There's a job. There's a purpose. Okay, so God knows all of that. So, again, renewing your mind when it comes down to fear and stress becoming actually your faith. You see, you got to do some shifting here. You got to stop relying and thinking that no matter what happens today, something is going to go wrong. You know, how many of us here wake up every day with the expectation that they'll see a miracle? You ever stop and think about that? How many times do you wake up in the morning and think, well, gee when I go out the car, go out the door and get in my car today, halfway down, you know, commercial street or something, you know, I'm going to see a miracle. I'm going to see something miraculous in the sky. You know, Jesus is going to return. I mean, how many of us, you know, get up with, with a good expectation instead of getting up thinking that the worst things are going to happen, you know? How many get up really feeling chipper? really feeling great you know the music is playing or whatever you turn on while you're getting dressed or you just nothing's on the quiet of the house and you're just feeling chipper then all of a sudden a thought comes in and says oh boy you know what you got to do today remember so-and-so that you gotta see remember you gotta do so-and-so and then you go "Oh gosh here I go again here I go again okay all right. so then that's the devil getting in there whispering into your ear well guess what you're gonna have a miserable day Okay, so you go out the door with the expectation that I'm going to have a miserable day. So guess what? The minute you go out the door with that expectation that I'm going to have a miserable day. Guess what? That's your faith for the day. That's your faith. You're trusting in the fact that you're going to have a miserable day. Okay, instead of trusting in the fact that God's going to bring me through this day because God said that he would and God is with me. So that's then putting yourself, putting your faith back where it belongs into the power of God. Amen? So it's renewing your mind. It's renewing your mind. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 4. Uh, and go to verse number 17. Ephesians 4:17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Okay? So what that is basically saying is that from here on out, he's saying here that you do not walk or do not behave the way Gentiles or non-believers walk. Okay? And don't run your life the way non-believers walk. And that is uh, in doing things yourself. Okay, In the vanity of their minds. That means that non-believers will walk out. Their lifestyle is that I can fix it myself. You know, uh, when you have a challenge in life, you start trying to figure out what can I do to fix the problem into, into, instead of going to God. All right. It's all about me. All right. So right away, it just says there, walk not or do not conduct your life as non-believers conduct their lives in the vanity of their minds, thinking that, that they are so vain. You, you know, and I, I got to draw on being led to dwell there for a minute. Vanity of the mind is actually a state of being. And you don't realize that you've drifted to that point if you don't think about it. Vanity in your, of your, in your own mind means that the situation that's in your life, the thing that you need to happen in your life, you don't even think about God. You start figuring out how you can fix it. Okay? All right? Now, you, you may not mean to be, you may not be intending to be, uh, to have unbelief in God or lack of faith in God, But it's just that when this thing comes upon you or that pressure, the sponge I was talking about, when that pressure is applied to you, instead of you thinking about God, you start figuring out how I can fix it. You do think about God, okay? Now, you may think about God later on after you've tried and tried and tried and you wind up finding yourself worse off than you were before, and then you say, oh, gee, gee, I guess I should have prayed about that, you know, and by that time you may have been able, you should have been able to save yourself many, many lashes if you had done that in the first place, you see, but the vanity of the mind is that if we're not careful, even we as Christians can slip into that because instead of jumping into gear when something goes wrong in your life, you know, you start thinking about, can I fix it myself of going straight to God, okay? We've got to get to the point. You've got to get to the point. I don't care how trivial it is. You've heard me talk about hangnails. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't care how trivial it is. You have something going on in your life. Get in the habit of bringing it to God. And this does a couple of things. Not only will God answer you, but it also shows God that you're really, really relying and trusting on him that you're not trying to deal with self to fix the problem, you see? And the more God sees that you're really, really trusting him and relying on him, then guess what? God says, you know, I can trust him now. I can trust her now to really, really do some awesome things for me. And you don't know when God may move you into becoming a miracle worker. You don't know what kind of gifts of the Holy Spirit God may loose upon you. There are many, many, we all have a purpose and we all have a ministry. How many of us go through our lives not even realizing what our ministries are? And when I say ministry, I'm talking about beyond speaking, preaching behind a pulpit. We all have a purpose in this life. We all do. Not one of us were put here without a purpose. God has a reason for you being here. And his basic reason is to, is to um, perpetuate glory in him, to, to espouse the word of God, to bring forth the good news. To, to be witnesses and ministers to others as Holy Spirit guides, okay? But how many of us even realize that minutely, you see? And many of, it, many of the times, it's because of the, much of the time, it's because of the fact that God can't trust us. God can't trust us to have the awesome power that he wishes to give you because you have shown or demonstrated that you don't really trust in him you see that is if you're the kind of person that every time there's a problem in your life you start trying to solve it yourself you start trying to figure it out yourself instead of running to God God is not going to entrust you with some of some of the, the some of the loftier things in life that God might want to give to you because you won't be capable to deal it, capable in dealing with it you're not mature enough spiritually to deal with it Amen? Amen. So God looks at how we, how we come to him and, and not, not being caught up in the vanity of our minds, thinking that we can do, do it all ourselves. Verse number 18 says, having the under, well, Let me read through because it all runs together here. Um, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. You see, that's saying exactly what I was talking about there. Okay, because they're walking in advances the of their minds, they think they can do it, do it, do it themselves. They have, they have their understanding um, darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Alienated from the life of God is spiritual death. Okay, and spiritual death is not that you are. You're not physically dead, but you're separated from God in that you can't hear God. You see? And this is saying this because, because of the fact that people continually strive to do it themselves, operate in the vanity of their minds, doing it themselves, they get separated from the mind of God. They get separated because they can't hear God anymore. They're so accustomed to doing it themselves, they can't hear God. The Word of God here says that they become, uh, their understanding is darkened. You see? And and, and you can see that many times if there are people that you're trying to talk to about Scripture, You're trying to talk to them about things in the Bible that you know are correct, and they look at you like it's it's going way over their heads. They don't have the faintest idea what you're talking about, and many times they'll even challenge you and bring you their view of what the Word of God is saying, okay? And and they don't understand you because their understanding has been darkened because they've been alienated from God. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? The reason that you understand Scripture the way you do and the reason you understand God the way you do is because you're not alienated from God you're hearing from Holy Spirit you're letting the words that God has given you sink in so you understand because you have not been alienated from God so therefore your understanding has not been darkened all right but if you insist on doing things yourself and not consulting God then what it does is it opens the door for your understanding of godly things to be darkened You follow? Okay? It it, it was becoming darker. And so you become alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. Okay? See? So if you let one thing go, you know, and, and, and you often say, well, Jesus, how did that person get like that? I've known that person all of, the, all of their life, and they were such a, you know, genteel and such a godly person. How did they, how did they get to that point? You see, well, once you start drifting away, and, and when that pressure is applied again like the sponge, you're not oozing the word of God, and you start trying to fix it all yourself, then you stop relying on God. You stop, you see, because, you see, you see, you see the, the devil also knows you're doing that, And so while you're trying to solve something yourself, you know, he may get in there and bring some temporary solutions to the problem, all right? So the devil comes in there and brings a solution to the problem, and then right away, because you are so pumped up on doing it yourself, so then you say, gee whiz, look, I fixed it. I fixed it. You see, because the devil devil brought brought along a temporary solution. Okay? So you start thinking that you fixed it, and then the next time that something happens in your life, you don't call on God again, you go on and you start trying to fix it. All right? In the meantime, in the meantime, if you'll notice, and many of you haven't been around long enough maybe to experience this, but some of us elder teenagers here, can tell you that those things that the devil has brought temporary uh, relief to, or fixed a temporary problem, over time it unravels. It falls down again, and you find yourself right back in the same problem again, you see, because it wasn't fixed by God, you know, you see. But again, but the danger is, though, you start thinking, see, gee whiz, I fixed it. So the next time a problem comes up, you forget about God again, and you go on, and in the vanity of your mind, you again work on fixing it, and then a solution comes. And so you getting next thing you know, you're doing and next thing you know, God's over here, and you're going further and further away, further and further away, because now you're so puffed up in yourself that you don't need God. I fixed all those other circumstances, so now I don't need God. Or you don't even think about it anymore, okay? So the next thing you know, when you're so far away from home base over here from God, you're out here now and you're doing it yourself, you know, and the guy comes along and says, uh, I don't know, you want some weed? I don't know. Really go to extremes, you want some weed? Oh, I can fix it myself. One won't hurt, because you're so far from God. Holy Spirit is saying to you, you don't want to do that. Your, your body is the temple. Holy Spirit is saying, "Your body is my temple." You're so far away, you can't even hear Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Very rarely does He shout at you. Very rarely. God can scream, God can howl, but very rarely does Holy Spirit shout at you. So He's with me saying, "No, don't don't take that joint. Don't take that joint." And you go, "Oh, I can fix it." You know, how many of us have heard for years? You know, you know, oh, just taking one won't hurt. You know you go I I can stop any time I want you know, as the guy's weaving like that, all the teeth and falling out of his mouth because now he's into crack and everything. Oh, I can stop anytime I want. Alright? Because he's so far gone. This is what's being talked about here. Where you fall into, of course, they're talking about lasciviousness and things like that. Okay? But this is what happens when you just get so far away that you just start, you just start drifting. Um, who have given themselves, who, who being past feeling, you see, because they've gotten to the point now that they're past and beyond feeling anything, have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all Uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If so, be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former manner of life. The old man. The old ways. The old things you used to do. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, there it is. Underline that, please. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You see, our minds need to be be renewed. Renewed in the spirit of our mind. And that you put on the new man... Okay, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. All right? So the old man that would have you try to fix the problem yourself and also start thinking about gee whiz, you know, things are going too well, so that means something wrong has got to happen. I shouldn't be feeling this good. Okay? Where your faith is in fear, your faith is actually in doubt. Your faith is not in God, your faith is in something going wrong. You've got to renew your mind to that. You've got to renew it. Okay, you you, you can't just stop and say, you you know, you can start by saying, well, I'm not going to go this way anymore, I'm not going this way. But you've got to renew your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for, for, uh, for we are members of one another. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You mad at somebody? Don't go to sleep that way. Don't let the sun go down. Somebody be big enough to apologize. Somebody be big enough to go and say, "I'm sorry." Okay. Oh, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. She started the argument. She's always doing that. Boy, oh boy. You know, if he'd only start picking his socks up off the ground. I'm not going to apologize. And you jump into your bed go to sleep. You don't know either one if you're going to wake up the next day. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. okay? You heard me tell the story about someone that I knew many years back who had a blowout argument with her husband and he stormed out of the house 2 o'clock in the morning angry and stormed out and she was cussing at him going out the door and so on. And she went to bed and uh, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning um, she got a phone from the police department her husband had been mugged and killed, all right? She never got to say sorry, never saw him again. And this was in a ministry meeting. Many years had gone by, and she was still carrying the burden. She came forward for prayer and, and heavy tears and things like that, and we had to lead her into forgiveness and so on like that. But she was carrying that burden for all, all those years, 15 or 20 years, I think, it had been carrying that burden, you see? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Amen? Amen? Jesus didn't put off, oh, I'll forgive them some other time or whatever like that. Amen? 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 This is, this is renewing your mind, you know. If you want to get to the point where you stop having faith in fear and having faith that stressful things are going to happen, you've got to renew the way you're going to think, okay? If, if I had gone into that, to that judges' into the chamber, to the jury place there with all sorts of, of a clutter in my mind and in my spirit and in my life, I could not have been at ease knowing that God was going to bring me through this. Okay, if you can't go in knowing that you're clean and that you're as clean as you can possibly be, we're not perfect, no, no human being is perfect, but if you go, you can lead your life saying that I am clean and I'm living a good life and I'm righteous and, and so on, that you know that God is there, then there's no reason for you to be fearful. There's no reason for you to have faith, faith that things are going to go wrong because they're not. Or if they do, you're not going to wind up just, you know, totally evaporating because of it. You will have trials and tribulations, but you've got to have the faith that God's going to bring you through it. you got to. You know? And if you can't get these principles down now, when you're, and I say this especially to young couples and things like that, if you can't get these principles down in your married life, you're going to have problems. Okay, because the devil knows that you're young and that you're just starting out and he's going to challenge you every single chance that he can All right, and if you are not bold enough to put God into your life and to make sure that God is there first and to run to him I don't care how uncool it may be I don't care if you're in a family gathering and there's 900 people there and nobody believes in God and you think it'll be uncool for me to stand up and say well I trust God to do this you better get to the habit of knowing that you're bold enough to say that Amen. You're bold enough to say it. Amen. Okay. Um, <clears throat> where do we leave off here? Put in the name after God is created, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down. You're Verse twenty seven. Neither give place to the devil. Okay? If you got room in your in your margin someplace, write, resist the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Giving place to the devil is very, very simple. It simply means allowing him to sneak to sneak into your life. Okay? Allowing him. You know, I was talking about when you're way out here away from God and you're at this party with some of your closest friends, and he's saying, Here, take a joint. And you give in, that's giving place to the devil. That's opening the door. Okay? All he needs is a crack. And if you can envision him as being, you know, you've seen the old, in the movies or whatever, the salesman, you know, the old vacuum cleaner salesman is going door to door and he, he asks, Can I help you? And you, Oh, I want to sell you an Electrolux. And he, you try to close the door. He puts his foot in the door and blocks it. So you can't close it. Okay? I always say, boy, I would love someone to try that with me. But anyway, that's another story. But um, anyway, but you go to put your foot in the door and, you know, that's all the devil needs. That's all the devil needs. It's just a little foot, a toe in the door. Okay? And the minute you make, make room for him, then he comes out. You see? Because the way he is is that once he gets that foot in the door, you think he just comes through by himself? No. No. He's got a whole legion hiding behind the bushes anyway that you can't see. And the minute he gets that foot in the door and he's got that much crack, he pulls calls them all to come out and come in. You see? Then you open the door now and you've got, you've got all of this going on in your life. All right? Neither gives place to the devil. Verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Go to work, stop stealing, let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, underline edifying, edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. If you don't have something good to say, there may be time for you just to keep your mouth shut. All righty? If you can't say something that's going to build somebody up, you know, then just keep your mouth shut. You know? What's the age's old thing about a lady asking a guy, oh, you like my dress? You know, and he always answers, oh, it's interesting. (laughs) <laughs> okay, interesting. All right, that's an easy way out. I mean, you don't have to of. Oh, it's interesting. All right. okay. so you don't want, oh, it's horrible. It doesn't match your color. It's wrong. No, no, no. It, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You see? So again, that's renewing our mind. It's about in our day-to-day business. How do we conduct and interact with other people? You know, you know, and that doesn't mean to mean that you have to say a lie, but, but just either just don't say anything at all. All right. And corrupt communication also is is obviously is that, you know, many, many times, especially in the workplace and in school, too, I'm sure. I and mean, then you've got people that like to like to tell dirty jokes. All right. You don't want to join in that discussion. Excuse yourself. Excuse yourself. You ever hear the one about the. Nope. Nope. You ever hear the one about, oh, you mean Psalm 27? <laughs> Psalm 91 you're talking about? Um, 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 he'll shut up real quick, I'm sure. Amen, amen. So, so, so don't get so caught up that you feel like you've got to be one of the boys, so to speak, or one of the girls, so to speak, that you've got to get caught up in all these sorts of communications just to be accepted. All right? I was never one to, to have a need for being a- accepted. Maybe it's because my mom and dad always dwelled in our head, and you've heard me say it before. Remember who you are. You're a cop. You don't act like that. You don't talk like that. Always. Just tell, tell us that. I was outside playing one time and uh, lived in an apartment, and like I guess I'm not perfect, and I was down to doing something that I probably shouldn't have been doing, and I, I cussed, and I heard my mother's voice come out the window, Michael, upstairs. Don't you ever use that kind of language, et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. What's the matter with you? And I was grounded for, you know, 27 years. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I'm just saying to say that I was never one to really be a follower anyway. So don't be a follower. The only person that we follow is Jesus Christ. Do not let yourself be so pressured by your peers, by those that you know. By those in the family even. Many times we will bend over backwards because a family, a family member at a gathering, you know, is telling saying something off color and, you know, you really don't want to be a part of it, you know. But because he's the patriarch of the family and everybody just loves him so dearly or fears him so dearly that everyone sits there and goes along with the filthy discussion that's going on. You get up and leave. I don't care who the person is. There's no person on this earth that's going to stop me from going to where I want to be with the Lord in heaven. So I'm not going to sit around and let good old Uncle Charlie sit there and tell a bunch of filthy jokes and me sit there laughing and agreeing, ah, you know, just to be accepted. Just to be So we're, we're inside. You may not like it, but you're not bold enough to say something about it. Okay? You're not bold enough. All right? All right? All right? If, if, if there's a war going on and there's two armies... And you're sitting there in the camp of one of those armies, and you're laughing and joking and carrying on. And maybe even if you're not wearing their uniform, but you're laughing and joking and sitting around the campfire, eating the same food, partaking of the same food, when the enemy comes and storms that camp and starts taking prisoners, are you going to jump up and say, oh, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. But you were just sitting there around the campfire partaking of the food and laughing and joking. So there's no difference if you're in that environment and you're laughing and joking with the filthy communications going on, then that's signaling that you're one of them. Amen? Amen? But we don't think about these things. We don't think about them, okay? And then we wonder why when things go on in our lives, we wind up getting so stressful and feeling fear, you see? And it's, all, it's, 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 it's a compilation of various things that we're doing or letting happen in our lives, and we're wondering why the fear is there. And wondering why the expectation that fear is always going to be there. All right? Okay? If if, if I walk and put the key in the door and walk into my house, I know that's my house. No one can argue with me about it. That's my house. That's as confident I am in knowing that. Okay? Why? It's because I have everything that I do to someone owning the house. That's what I do. I live there. Well, so it is with our lives. You know? You know, if you're not doing the things of God... Uh, 99.9% again I say that only because of the fact that human beings were not perfect okay then that means that it opens the door then for fear to come into your life and you wonder why am I feeling fearful It's because something else something else may be going on that you've gotten so accustomed to doing you're not even considering it to be outside of the Word of God so renewing your mind that's why God's Word here goes through a list now not everything in that list that we just read Applies to all of us in the room. But it's a checklist, so to speak, where God is giving us a checklist. You check these things in your life. Check them. Okay? Because God knows that we are so caught up in our everyday lives that we don't stop every single second of the day. and by doing this environment God's word? Am I doing this environment with God's word? God knows that we're on the move. Amen? So he reminds us through his word. This is how you should be living. This is how you should be living. Okay? All right? So we see here, and then it goes on... Um, getting down to our last few scriptures here let no communication come out of your mouth Uh, verse number 30 important one grieve not Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed unto the redemption okay don't grieve Holy Spirit Grieve not, Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed until the day of redemption. Okay? That sealing, um, by the way, which many times we forget about, uh, what that is referring to is that when you give yourself to the Lord Jesus and you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're filled with Holy Spirit. There's a seal, in essence, that is placed upon you. That seal is a seal of ownership. It's saying that you belong to God. All right? We've all seen the movies, the king with the signet ring, you know, and he may give that signet ring to a messenger going through the enemy or whatever. He'll say, show this ring, it's my symbol, it's my seal to give you safe passage. We're sealed by Holy Spirit, which means that you, are, it, it signifies that you're God's property. All right. Many times we forget about that. All right? And we don't realize that because of that seal, the enemy sees that seal because we're talking about spiritual things. I mean, obviously we don't have... Physical seals, I'm talking about spiritual things. The enemy sees that many times we forget that we have that seal and we don't conduct our lives accordingly. We forget who we are, who we are in God. Okay? Um, Verse number 31: Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Okay? Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has, has, has forgiven you. Please underline or bracket all of that. Forgiveness. We cannot go harboring forgiveness. Forgiveness, unforgiveness is spoken so much in Scripture, so t- talked about so much in Scripture. It's one thing that we human beings oftentimes have a hard time dealing with, to be honest with you. With you. You know, we have this thing that um, someone did this to me um, and I can't forgive, and forgive them for that. How dare they do that to me? Well, if you stop and think about it, what's at the heart of that? Why do we feel that we cannot forgive somebody? Why? Because I'm so important. Okay, that's at the root of it. I'm so important. So and so did that to me. Do they realize this is me they did that to? And I, I need to forgive him. No way. Let him come and beg my forgiveness. He did that to me. You see, this is, it's all about me. All right? And so that is akin to what? Pride. Okay? Now let's follow this through now. Okay? Got this unforgiveness. I can't forgive because they did it to me. I'm so puffed up. And so it's pride. And where does that take us to? Let's follow that. Where does pride take us to? What was that first sin, so to speak, that got Lucifer cast out of heaven? It was the pride thing. It was the pride, okay? So if you can't forgive someone because you think they should forgive you, then it means you're thinking that I miss it, or I missed it. I'm so puffed up that no way that, you know, all right? So, so that's a problem that you're presenting for yourself right there, because essentially that Jesus forgave you, all right? Jesus went to that cross, and he did not deserve to die. Even Pilate said that. I find no crime in him. I find no fault in him. Jesus did not deserve to die. From the cross, before he gave up the ghost, what did he speak out? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen? They were crucifying the Son of God. Yet still he said, forgive them. So what Scripture here is talking about is not just here. It's so much woven through Scripture about forgiveness You know, we know from studying scripture that if God repeats something over and over and over and over and over again, it's because he's trying to make a point. So forgiveness is very, very critical. Something else you need to search your your minds about, your, your heart about, anyone in your life that you're harboring unforgiveness for. Okay? Now, I will say real quickly, too, and then we're going to move on. Just because you forgive someone does not mean that you have to go and live that lifestyle along with them. Okay? This could be a horrendous person that did something to you. But you gotta forgive them for what they did to you. It does not mean that you gotta go start hanging out at the bar and doing everything else that they do to live their lifestyle, okay? God' obligation we have is to pray for them, forgive them, pray for them. But does not mean that you have to go and start hanging out and socializing with them, amen? So that fear that's in your life that could be winding up becoming your faith. Could also be that fear constantly coming back at you because there's someone that you're harboring unforgiveness for. You see? And then that's opened the door. That's giving place to the devil. You see? And so that's where the fear is coming in. And the fear is there so much that you're trusting in it. You know what's going to happen. I know my day is going to be terrible tomorrow. I know this is going... I know he's going to say that. That that's becoming your faith. You see? And you're drifting away from God. All right? All right? Last scriptures, I promise. Colossians 3... Colossians chapter three. Okay. This is basically it's about just some some, some Christian living. Uh, chapter three and we'll just start with verse number one. If you then be risen if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Okay? So, if we then are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ, is at the right hand of God, set your affection on things of, that are above, not on this earth. So that means focus on things that are of heaven. Focus on loftier things. Focus on things that have to deal with God, and not so much focusing on earthly things. You are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are dead, meaning the old ways. The old ways are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things seek, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. You see? In the, uh, in the which you also once walked when you lived in them, but now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to the other, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Okay, this is again, it's changing and renewing your mind, changing your ways, your old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man that is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. You see, Um, the non-believer may not really believe that Jesus is over him. Okay? God is the God of the unbeliever or non-believer, just like he's the God of us. It's just that they don't believe in him but it still doesn't negate the fact that he's God and he's in charge, you know. I can say all day long and jump up and down and shout at you that I don't believe this building is here. (laughs) I don't believe that I'm in this building. I can shout that all day long. It doesn't change the fact that this building is here, okay? You can shout all day long that I don't accept the existence of gravity. It doesn't exist. Go jump off the Empire State Building. You'll be a smash hit on Broadway. Okay? You can deny the existence of gravity. It does not mean that it does not exist. You can deny the existence of God. It does not mean that he doesn't exist. And that he has control over you. Okay? but is Christ all, all in all is all uh, and in all put on therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved tender mercies kindness humbleness of mind meekness long suffering forbearing having patience forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man has a quarrel against any even as Christ forgave you so also do ye here again by forgiveness and above all these things put on all charity which is the bond of, of perfectness or love which is the bond of of perfectness and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful peace of mind be ye thankful let the peace of God rule in your heart if the peace of God is ruling in your heart then guess what there's no way that you can have fear ruling there because you've got God's peace alright let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And we'll pause there. So, so the next time that you feel this fear or anxiety or something that's coming up into your life. Remember the sponge, you know, when pressure is applied to a sponge it just oozes water. So when pressure is being applied to you, let it ooze the things of God. Think about what God has promised you. Think about the circumstance, the situation that I'm going into uh, is not going to impact me because God is with me. God is with me. And again, I always say think back over the many good things that happened in your life and look how God has blessed you before. Look how God has blessed you in the most inconsequential ways. Look how God has blessed you in bigger things. Look how God has blessed you when the circumstances seem to be really going against you, like it wasn't going to work out. But look how God still came through and blessed you, you know. And I tell people to remember those things. Make a a photograph in your mind, um, you know, know, blend it into your psyche so that when things start happening again, coming up, it will come back to you. Jesus, I remember when I had this situation and it seemed impossible, God brought me through. I remember when this thing came up, and it seemed impossible. God brought me through. Amen? Amen? So, don't let fear become your faith, but indeed let the faith in Jesus Christ and faith in God be your faith. Praise God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.